reading this morning is going to come from the book of Daniel. And we're going to actually, it says we're going to start with verse 19. We're going to back up a little bit and start with verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, starting with verse 16. And then we'll read through the end of the chapter to verse 30. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. So Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face was distorted. And he ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary, and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, what, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king. He replied, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the fourth has an appearance of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, and the perfects, and governors, and all the king's counselors gathered together, and saw the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. And the hairs of their head was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and delivered his servant who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My first job out of college, I basically worked for free. And I think that's probably true for most of us. Our first job out of college, we feel like we work for free. But the reason why my first job, I felt like I worked for free was because I worked at the, back in the day, it was called the Baptist Bookstore. Now it's, it's Lifeway. I was over the stock room back there. And it was a great job. I had fun, met a lot of people, made some friends that I continue to have be friends with to this day. But the reason why I worked for free there wasn't because the salary was so bad. It was because at that point in my life, I was single, no kids. It was just me and my books. And working there, you got a discount for every book you bought. Like they'd give you a a big percentage off the book. So basically I took my paycheck every month and said, here you go. You can have it back. Give me books. 
I mean, so I bought so many books there. I read so much because it was just me and nothing else to do. So I read. And so I had a great time reading. And that's where I got all the C.S. Lewis that I love to this day. Um, it, was, it was a great. So I just read so many of the books that I still treasure to this day. I bought when I worked there because they basically were free. It was, a, it was a great time. But while I was there, there was one book that I read in particular that I loved, that, that I still love today. Um, it's funny, you know you've gotten older when you say a few years back, and a few years back was 30 years ago. A few years back, they updated this book. It was a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with that book. Uh, the group DC Talk updated it a few years back, back in the 90s, um, updated it, and uh, kind of re- re-released it as a book called Jesus Freaks. But it's a great book. What this book does is it, it, it gathers together the stories of individuals that were faithful to God, that were obedient to God, that did the things that God required, did the things that God asked, were faithful to God in all of their ways. And what happened to many of these individuals in this book was this. They were put to death. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just about put to death. They were faithful And they suffered tremendous consequences because they were faithful. I've always liked that book because it always frames for me the concept sometimes of being faithful. Abba, I'm a big believer and big fan in testimonies. Sometimes we we have become what Wesley called practical atheist because we believe intellectually in God. We believe on an intellectual basis that there is a God and that he sent his son Christ, what we affirm the creed, that he sent Christ, Christ died for our sins, Christ rose from the dead. We intellectually believe this. We, of course, that's true. Of course, we affirm it. Yes, of course, these things are right. So we believe them in our minds. But y'all, we don't really think God's going to interfere in our daily lives, do we? Really? We don't really think that God's going to speak to us through his word, do we? We don't, we don't really think that prayer changes things, do we? No, we're smarter than that. So what we become practically is we become practical atheists. We intellectually believe in God. But we don't always believe that he interferes and interjects himself in the daily living of our life. And y'all, I believe with every fiber of my being that God is alive. That God is at work in this life. And that God is changing lives day by day by day. And I think one of the reasons we stop really believing this, even if we still believe it, we don't think about it, is because we don't talk about it. We don't share our testimonies. We don't pinpoint right there. That's what God did in my life. Right there. That's what God did in the life of my family. The staff, when we gather on Tuesdays, we take time to talk about where we've seen God in our life and in our family the last week since we've gathered together. I believe with all that I am that God still changes lives because God changed my life. Uh, Tim picks at me sometimes about hollering when I preach. Yeah, I holler because Jesus changed my life. 
Because I'm a different person today than I was before I met Jesus. I am a completely different person. He changed my heart. He changed my life. He changed my desires. He changed everything about me. I am a different person because of Jesus, and I can't help but get excited about that. I can't help but want you to know the same Jesus that I know. I can't help but want you to experience the same transformation that I've experienced in Jesus Christ. And we don't share our testimonies. We don't talk about this. We don't hear what God is doing in the lives of others. And we can forget that he is still at work in all times, in all places. So I love a good testimony. Oh, I love hearing a good testimony. I love hearing that God still interjects himself into our lives on a daily basis. But there are, however, two types of testimonies that I don't really like. One testimony is a testimony that says this. Man, I used to do all this crazy stuff. I was sinful. And then I got saved. You know, that testimony that glorifies the sinful life more than the Redeemer. That makes like the way they were, where they were lost, they made that fun and then they got saved and now it's boring. No, being a Christian's awesome. I like this whole Christianity thing. It's fun. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. Life is awesome. So I don't like the testimony that tends to glorify the way we used to be. And then I got saved. You know, no, I ain't got time for that. That's one of them. And the second I don't like is this one. Man, I got saved and everything was perfect. I got saved and everything was fixed. I got saved and life became rainbows and unicorns. That's not the way life works either. Because sometimes you get saved and you still get fired. Sometimes you get saved and they still have cancer. Sometimes you get saved and you still can't have a baby. What do we do then? What do we do then? I think we see it today in Daniel. I think we see it today with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why were they in the fire? Why were they in the fire? They were in the fire. Because they did the right thing. They were in the fire because they were faithful. They were in the fire because they were being obedient to God. Them being thrown in the fire, that was not judgment. And that was not punishment. That was no good deed goes unpunished. They were doing the right thing. They were being obedient to what God showed them. They were refusing to worship idols. They were refusing to give in to culture. They were being faithful to what God had shown and told them. And they did the right thing. They were faithful. And they got thrown in the fire. They got thrown in the fire so hot that it killed the guys that threw them in. That's got to be a good feeling. Like, uh uh-oh, this is not going to be fun. So they were in the fire. Because they were faithful 
They were not in the fire out of judgment by God. They were in the fire because they were faithful. There's a, a big fancy theological concept that we've always struggled with throughout human history. It puts forth that there are three facts that are true, but yet we can't understand how that's so. These three statements are God is good, God is all powerful, evil exists. Explain. I don't know. Because if God is good and God's all powerful, well, then how does evil exist? Well, if evil exists and God is all powerful, well, is God really good? If God is good and evil exists, well, is God really all powerful? We, don't, we struggle as those that love the Lord to, to wrap our minds around these things. How can God be good? How can God be powerful? And how can evil still exist? How can God be good and God be powerful and there still be the, the manifold evil that we see in this world? How can God be good? How can God be all-powerful? And Christians face persecution all over the world like they do today. We don't understand. It doesn't make sense. What do we do with that? Daniel tells us today how to make a little sense out of it. Where was God? In the midst of the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looks in the furnace and sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he sees a fourth who looks like God there in their midst. Where is God? In the midst of the fire? Where is God in the midst of the trial? Where is God in the midst of the trouble? He's right there with us. And when we pass, as, as Isaiah says, when we pass through the fires, we'll not be burned. When we pass through the waters, we'll not be overwhelmed because he is the Lord our God. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. God does not leave us abandoned in the fire. And actually, when you look at fire in the Bible, it's interesting I love, I love that. Uh, there's a verse that, that Paul says in Romans 12 where Paul says, do good to your enemies as to heap burning coals on their, on their heads. Remember that passage in, in Romans 12? When I was, um, when I was a missionary, I uh, did a missionary trip in Lithuania out of college. I preached on that passage. And uh, the translator translated that, do good to your enemies as to burn their brains, which is, I guess is a good translation. You know, sometimes things don't really translate well, I reckon. Um, but you're like, yeah, do good to your enemies so you can burn them. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, what's the old saying? Forgive your enemies. It messes with their heads. You know, do, do good to them. And they're going to be like, ah. Well, do you know what the coals are symbolic of in Scripture? Go back and look at Leviticus. Tim's favorite, Tim's favorite book of the Bible. Go back and look at the Old Testament. 
You know what the coals were used for? To purify, to make holy. When Isaiah and Isaiah 6 is in the temple and the Lord appears, he says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord God of hosts. The angel takes a, ta- takes a coal from the altar and touches his lips and purifies him. Where is God in the fire? Well, first he is with us in the fire, just like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He has not forgotten us. And we're in the midst of a fire. God has not abandoned us. God has not left us to our own devices. God has not tossed us aside. God has not forgotten that we're there. there. But God is with us in the midst of the fire. And secondly, because God is good and because God is all-powerful, God will take that fire and he will use it as a tool of purification. I don't know about you, but in my life, you know when I'm the closest to God typically? When I'm in the fire. When it's hard. When life is a struggle. When nothing makes sense. When I'm unsure. When I don't know what to do. So not only is God with us in the fire, but God will use the fire because God is good and God is all-powerful. And ultimately, God will use even the fire to purify us. God will use even the fire to grow us. God will use even the fire so that we stand up and give our testimony. We can say, look what God has done. Look how God has changed my life. Look what God has done with me. Look how God has changed me. God even uses the fire. He even uses the fire for our good and for his glory. Romans 8, 28, all things work for good. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Not that all things are fun. Not that all things are easy. Not even that all things make sense at the time. Not that all things are smooth and rosy. But all things, all things will work for good. Because God is good. And his mercy endures forever. That's a testimony we have. One of the good things about being the preachers, when I get to preach, I get to see all y'all. You know, sometimes it's good, and sometimes if, you know, the sermon's going, I can say, see a lot of this, like, okay, yeah, it's going good. Everybody's nodding. Everybody's going, Rrr. like, okay, it's time to wrap it up. So if you want, want to, I just want to look at Tim when I'm preaching, because he'd go, Rrr, time to wrap it up. But that's your pastor. Look out in this room today. 
And I see testimonies. I see testimonies of God's provision. I see testimonies of God's power. I see testimonies of God's strength, even in the fire. I see many lives this morning who it might have been a challenge and it might have been difficult and it might not have been easy, but the Lord God brought us through it. The Lord God grew us in it and the Lord God has used it because that's who God is. They were in the fire this morning, not out of punishment. But they were out of fire. They were in the fire because they were faithful. And God never left their side while they were in the fire. And God used that fire for their good. So this morning, where are you? Hopefully you're not in the fire. Hopefully you either haven't gone into it or you just got out of it. If you've gotten out of the fire, tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about how God preserved your life in the midst of the fire. And if you are in the fire this morning, if you're in the boat and the boat be sinking and you're bailing water with all that you can, Know that God has not left you. He will not leave you. And he will not forsake you. And though the fire may be hot, God is good. And though the trouble may be big, God is good. And though the wall may be high, God is big. And though the mountain may be tall and the valley may be low, God is good. He will not leave us in the fire. And as we emerge from it, may we be sure to tell somebody about it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your hand in our life in the midst of the trials that we face, in the midst of the troubles that come our way, in the midst of the struggles of life. God, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. May we live now in your power always. We love you. We ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.